Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. I will be welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. My name is Langston Arnold. I will be reading from John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Praise be God. Thank you, Langston. You can have a seat this morning, church. It is a good morning together. Amen? Uh, If we have not gotten the opportunity to meet before, my name is Zane. I'm the preaching minister here uh, at the Round Rock Church of Christ. And we just want to let you know this. If it is your first time being to church, or if it is your first time in a really long time being to church, may you hear us just say, we are glad that you're with us. And we are glad that you took the time and the sacrifice And if you have kids, we also thank you for enduring the battle of bringing them together with us. We are a church that is just trying to understand and see ourselves the same way that Jesus does. And I hope you think about joining us as we continue this journey. This morning, I want to talk about bad days. You just had a really bad day. Maybe you've had a bad week, maybe a bad month, maybe where you're just in a funk and you can't shake it. I'll tell you what makes my bad day a worse day. When you put me next to someone who's having a really great day. That's what usually gets me. I had a family member a little while back. She was telling me that she had a really bad day and she said she was having a bad day mainly because of a tomato soup can. Obviously that was intriguing, so I had to ask, how does a tomato soup can make your day bad? And she said, well, it happens like this. I go to the grocery store. I'm just living my normal life. I'm just wheeling my basket around. And as I'm wheeling and I'm getting my groceries, a can of tomato soup falls through the holes of the basket and lands on my big toe. And every step I take after that, I'm reminded of that dreaded soup can. I'm like, wow, that is a really bad day. She goes, it gets worse. I said, okay. She said, it wasn't just any soup can. It was the 30% more soup can. And I said, why does that make it a worse day? And she's like, isn't it obvious? 30% more soup, 30% more pain. (laughs) I do wonder on days like today, if you find yourself having a bad day, if Easter just brings 30% more pain. I wonder for those of us who are walking around with pain and hardship right now, if it's really hard to wake up on a day where everyone's dressed really nice and there's 
Easter eggs and there's colorful things happening all around you. Everyone's excited and you want to feel it. But you can't access that feeling because of what experience you bring with you to church today. And the good news of Jesus Christ for the next couple minutes that I just want to remind us of is that this news, the excitement, the colors, everyone's excitement today is not just for those who are having really good days. This news is for anyone who finds themselves on a bad day, for anyone who has doubts in their life, or for anyone this morning who may think that God doesn't exist or isn't relevant to my life. This is the good news that you have right now and have access to. This morning, there is a story in the Gospel of John. John is this writer who wants to tell you about the life of Jesus. And within it, John tells you this story of two sisters. And just like any siblings, the two sisters are completely different in personality. And when he tells you this story, he tells it to you in such a way that you get to see Jesus' reaction to these two sisters. And you also see how the sisters' reactions are different. Now, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to turn with me. This story is going to be found in John 11. And we're going to start it over here in verse 17. These two sisters have a brother. And this brother's name is Lazarus. And they find themselves in the worst day. Lazarus has died. And this is where John tells us how these two sisters deal with this pain and grief. Now, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. But when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Now, I want to pause you there because I want to tell you about how honest the Bible is and how you will relate to what stories of Scripture actually say. Because isn't this like a really good snapshot of your life with hardship? Some of us, when pain and suffering enters into our lives, some of us naturally want to turn towards God. And others of us want nothing to do with God whatsoever. And the Bible tells us a story of in the midst of pain and suffering, two sisters react completely different. One, the circumstance pushes them towards God. The other pulls them away from God. Have you ever evaluated what you do with pain and hardship in your life? Do you know the tendency? Do you push away from God or do you pull towards God when pain, hardship, suffering, death enter your life? Okay, that's an uncomfortable question. Let me ask you an easier question. Okay, this one's going to be really simple. So in a second, I'm going to display an image on the screen. Okay, and all I want you to do when I display this image on the screen is I just want you to verbally say out loud 
what you see or who you see on the screen, okay? There's only one way you fail at this activity, okay? We've had a couple laps at this. If you don't participate, you have failed, okay? Other than that, you can say whatever you want and you will pass, okay? Are we ready? Okay, all right, we're feeling good. At least Jimmy's with me. I appreciate that, Jimmy. All right, we're ready for this. All right, three, you gotta say it out loud. Three, two, one. Okay, now see, that was a test. That was a test. And most of you failed, all right? It was really slow, okay? All right, I need it like right out of the gun. Denzel Washington. This has nothing to do with the sermon other than I just felt like we need a little Denzel in our life, okay? All right, I knew y'all were gonna flake on me for the first round, so here we go. All right, so I'm gonna display an image to you, and I want you to say the first thing that comes into your mind. Ready? A duck. A rabbit. Do you see a duck, or do you see a rabbit? It's a trick. Oh, some, some of you are like, no, I see a duck today. Okay, it's Easter. There is no rabbit right there. Isn't it interesting that you can look at the same picture and you can reach a different conclusion? If you're familiar with psychology, this is actually called top-down thinking. And basically, here's the summation of it. You can see the same thing as someone else and still draw a different conclusion. Mainly because you are not just factual based with your life. You're sensory based. Which means this, whatever you bring to the table affects what you see on the table. Welcome to life with God. When some of us encounter pain and suffering, we immediately run towards God. We see a duck. For others of us, when we experience death and hardship and pain, we run away from God. We see a rabbit. Some see a duck, some see a rabbit. Google even revealed this to us. Back in 2020, when the world was wrestling with the pandemic and was even thinking, what is this thing that is happening in the world? Google actually observed that for eight, every 800 COVID cases, the word prayer doubled in Google searches. That as people encountered something unsettling, they ran towards God. But for every story of someone who ran towards God, there was also a story of someone who ran away from God. And many of those people were people who sat in church every single week. For some, they see a duck. For others, they see a rabbit. And what's revealing to us is when we have unsettling things that happen into our lives, we have to ask, where does the story of God intersect in my life? And when we run away from God, it's usually because we don't have a full story of who God is. And this is why you should invite Jesus into your life and invite him over and over and over into your life because Jesus is reorienting our view of God in our most disorienting times. Mary and Martha, they reveal how they see God in a very disorienting way. Follow with me in John 11, starting in verse 32. It says it like this. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. 
This is the question that human beings have wrestled with long before any of us have ever been existent on the planet. If God exists, why do these things happen? And here's the thing, your top-down brain is always going to move towards what are the circumstances in your life and start to draw conclusions about who God is based off of that. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you calculate God like a CPA spreadsheet? That you base God's existence almost as if you've got two columns and you've got one column that's the joyous column and then you've got one column that's the sorrow column. And basically, if you have more joys in life than you do in sorrows, then God is really good and God's in existence. Or if you have more sorrows in life than joys, then you think maybe God is bad or maybe God doesn't exist. And when something bad happens in front of Jesus, we are reminded that God's existence is not based off of our circumstances and our experience. But who God is, is based off of the existence of Jesus. His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Because think about this. God doesn't even protect God's self from the pain and suffering and hurt of the world. Jesus stands before death of a good friend as well. And notice that God doesn't prevent bad things from happening like Lazarus dying, but he participates in them. Look at the reaction with me, starting in John 11, verse 32. I'll read it again. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her as well that were weeping, he was deeply moved and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord. And they replied, and then Jesus wept. Do you notice what Jesus does and doesn't do when he experiences and faces death? Jesus does not come close to death or hardship or pain and suffering and just goes, well, you know, death's just kind of a natural way of life. Mm -mm. Jesus weeps at the tomb. Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, you know, this is all a part of God's plan. No, no, no. Jesus weeps at the tomb. When Jesus experiences hardship in life, he does not question the character or existence of God. Jesus weeps because Jesus loves. And if you have not heard this this morning, this message of Jesus is to say that God is for you. God is with you. And God thinks the world is better with you in it than without it. And Jesus, in this moment, weeps with the sisters. Why? Because what troubles and unsettles you, troubles and unsettles God. It is not this movie that's just happening in God's mind and he's disconnected from it. He feels the trouble and the hardship that we all face. Can I tell you a really trouble and disturbing diagnosis I got at the dentist a couple weeks ago? I promise it's relevant. 
couple weeks ago, I, I went to the dentist, and it was supposed to be just a normal checkup, and that's how they always get you in the beginning, just a normal checkup. And uh, I remember that I went, and uh, after, after the uh, uh, initial, like, testing and run through of it, and I felt like I gave, like, I don't know how much blood. Anyways, I got to the end of it, and they said, you know, uh, Mr. Witcher, we do have to make you aware of something. Uh, as far as how your sleep patterns are going, like, you are really drying out your throat at night. But do not worry. We have a solution for you. I said, okay, bring it on. Tell me what the solution is. They said, great. All we got to do is for the next 60 days, before you go to bed, we need to tape your mouth, and you can just sleep with your mouth taped. Oh, is that all? How come we haven't thought about waterboarding? You know, maybe that's a good solution too. What in the world? I'm not going to tape my mouth at night. For those of you who are wondering, I have taped my mouth at night and actually it's really helping. Okay, but you didn't come to church today to hear about my oral hygiene. Okay, they actually knew what they were talking about. But here's the thing. <laughs> Other than that night, I look like I'm about to get abducted because I've got tape on my... Anyways, all right, long story short. What you see in this moment is not a taping of the mouth faith. Trust in the resurrection that God promises does not mean that you have to pretend like darkness isn't as dark as it really is. What this means is the toughest things that you have in your life, you have complete permission to say are the absolute toughest things you are experiencing. You do not have to pretend like the world is not dark. Sharing in life with Jesus means sharing in the pain and the grief that the world will encounter together. It's not a taping of the mouth. When John describes Jesus, he actually says he weeps. Okay, if I got you to the original language, that's like snot rolling out of the nose. Okay, that type of the type of weeping that's like <laughs> that type of weeping. The deep troubling of the world. Christians declare that death is an enemy. And what we gather today on Easter is, is an enemy that is defeated. Notice Jesus is not going to give you the right answers. He's going to show a God who's going to make things right. So read with me for the end of this story. Starting in verse 38. So Jesus once more, he was deeply moved and he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by the time there's going to be a bad odor for he's been in there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let 
them go. Jesus does not provide intellectual answers to the death and the pain and the suffering of the world. What Jesus reveals is that God will make right all the things that are painful and suffering in the world. Jesus will trust that in that dark tomb, God is doing something and is preparing something. Notice that Jesus thanks God even before he sees someone resurrected. And what John's hinting at, at behind that story is he's saying as soon as the tomb was open, Jesus didn't even need to see anything because he could already smell. And there was no smell of death anywhere. What it means to trust the resurrection is that God is bringing healing even if you don't see healing happening. What Jesus does for Lazarus, God does for Jesus. But He does it in a more creative, everlasting, and creation way. And what Jesus experiences, we can experience with faith in Him. The resurrection is the present assurance of the coming future assurance in you and I's life. You just trust Him with faith. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I like to see different versions as far as how stories are told. Uh, and I really actually like the King James version of this story the best, kind of an older translation, uh, mainly because I just really like one phrasing, and I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you here. Uh, he said, you know, Martha, sister of him, was dead, said unto him, the Lord by this, uh, she said, Lord, by this time, he stinketh. That's my kind of translation that he stinketh. Why? Because it's so relatable to what these days feel like. You're going to have some days that just absolutely stink. But the resurrection is this trust that what stinks right now will not stink forever. And in between right now and forever, you get to experience what the sisters also experience. That you can actually come to know the resurrected one, not by what you think God's image is in your brain, but that you can actually be ready for who the actual resurrection is to come. And for many of us, we need to think about participating and being a part of the story of God and what he actually has to offer in it. Today on Easter, we remember that Jesus defeated death, but death is a process and resurrection is a process. It's something that you set up and you prepare for in your life now. And what's interesting is that when you think about how John, this writer, tells this story, he also talks about how one day, there will be a day where the tears of your life are wiped away. But here's the thing. We usually don't pay attention to that there will actually be tears when we enter into heaven. That they're actually wiped away. They're not non-existent, which is major news for all of us. For anyone who's wrestling through hard times right now, the good news is that this is in existence, that the tears that you have 
in your life will not just be sources of pain, but they will one day be sources of victory. That those tears that you experience in life, they will be healed in a unique way that God is preparing right now. John, the writer of this story, he uses imagery all the time. And it's the imagery that you see happening before you. He said, when Jesus comes back, when the resurrection is fully experienced, you will get to see and unfold an event that many people in this life cry when they get to experience it. That when they're actually talking about what is it like for the resurrection to fully be realized, John says it's kind of like a wedding feast. It's something that's been prepared for. It's something that people have been ready for. And then one day, God's people, the church, will actually be brought before Jesus and get to meet Jesus all together. But it's something that we prepare for together. There was once a Christian by the name of Martin Luther who when he actually talked about what it would be like for the end of the resurrection, for that to fully be experienced, he would talk about it in a way that you would get to experience face-to-face with Jesus, like a wedding day. And he would say this wedding day would be like this, that your faith is like the wedding ring of your relationship with God. But the most beautiful part about the wedding that you experience is that the worst parts of your life get shared with Jesus and he takes them on. And the best parts of Jesus get shared with you together in that moment. This is what we wait for with the resurrection. No matter how you feel about this moment, whether you have great memories of this moment, whether you dread this moment, whether you long for this moment, this was never meant to be the ultimate. This is supposed to point to the ultimate of meeting the resurrected Lord. God does not stay silent in your tears and your hurt and your pain. If you wonder, does God see the injustice of the world? If you wonder, does God feel that deep ache that you have for those who have passed in your life? If you wonder, does God know what it's like for my body to fail on me or betray me? Does God know what it's like for the mistakes I wish I could take back? The resurrection of God says, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, God says, I do. May you hold on to him on your worst days. Because the best day is yet to come. Let's stand and sing, church.